Welcome to the Stone Collective Podcast. I'm Mike. And I'm Kelly. And we're your hosts. This is episode three, the one with Brother Joseph Paul. We really need to get a camera in here so people can see me dance. No. Okay, fair enough. That's probably something I don't actually want people to see. Yeah, no, no one needs to see it, but I'm glad you're enjoying yourself. So it's uh, been a little bit, and we really haven't shared this. We were hopeful that we'd turn out a podcast every week, but we've got four kids and life happens. So, um, Kelly, what have we been up to? Well, we've been traveling, which is why we didn't record a podcast. Because when you travel and you don't take a microphone, that's kind of hard. Yeah. So we went to Texas. We have uh, our niece had her quinceanera. And so we went to Texas to celebrate with her turning 15. And um, we stayed with we have we have cousin camp every year. Do you want to tell everybody about cousin camp? Yeah. So I have a couple siblings that have um, kids, all all daughters. So I have all nieces and uh, we get together every summer. Really, it's not a full week, but it's it's at least a big part of a week. And uh, we all live in the same house for a week. And um, the cousins get to spend time together. We get to spend time with my siblings and my, I guess, my... Nieces? <laughs> my nieces <laughs> and my... Your parents? Parents and my... Um, Wife. Yes, why? Children. Are you just naming all the people you know? I'm just naming know? all the people I know, I guess. <laughs> okay. Well, I was trying to figure out if we spend time with my brother-in-laws or your brother-in-laws and sister-in-laws and how all that works. Anyway, it is it is what it is. <laughs> yeah, okay. So we do Cousin Camp every year. There's t-shirts that are made and um, lots of arguing <laughs> by the children. And anyway, this year was it was fun. We had a, We rented a house in Dallas or just outside and we... Um, had a pool just like there at the house, which was awesome. And um, we debated the merits of having an actual pool <laughs> in our own house. It was a very short debate. <laughs> yeah, because Mike doesn't like joy, as we've established. <laughs> so no pool for you <laughs> or me, as the case may be. Anyway, so yeah, we did that and we went to a quinceanera. We have never been to a quinceanera before. Um and so that was kind of a fun cultural experience to just get to sort of see what that was all about and to celebrate with, of course, our niece who we love. Um, there was dancing and <clears throat> there were tacos. <laughs> there were tacos. There was a taco truck. So what, could more, what more could you ask for, right? It was a good time. We had fun. So, And oh my gosh, our kids were adorable. They were. Our two older kids uh, got to participate. So there's like a dance that the court does. And uh, so our two children danced with each other, which was kind of like miraculous because... The teenagers. Yeah, the teenagers are not... They're really into picking on each other, (laughs) not so much holding hands, let alone dancing. Um, And they did a fabulous job. They They made their dad 
their dad proud. Yeah. Andrew <laughs> led with the wrong hand, but it's fine. That's he what did. everybody else was doing. I guess he was confused because I was trying to teach him how to dance and was not very good at being a girl. So Yeah. Anyway. So yeah, they did they did a a waltz in four. <laughs> yeah. And they were so cute. Andrew wore suspenders and Emma had this beautiful dress and she got her hair and makeup done and they were just like really adorable. So anyway. So we did that and then uh, Kelly decided uh, to go to a conference for a week. She didn't really decide on the spur of the moment, but she left Dallas in an airplane to go to <laughs> North Carolina and I left Dallas <laughs> in a van with four children to drive nine and a half hours straight home to our lovely central Missouri. To so, work the yes, next day. Yes, to work the next day. <laughs> Which actually, the kids were amazing. Uh, you know, I don't know what we did. Actually, I do know what I did as a kid because I remember our road trips very vividly. But they watched movies and played on like screens the whole trip home, which made it extremely boring for me because we forgot their like headphone things. So I couldn't listen to the radio or podcast. I guess I could have on my phone maybe. Um and I had no one to talk to uh, until we hit like um, Joplin, Missouri. And then they gave me like 20 minutes of radio time, which was kind of nice and refreshing. So meanwhile, I got a massage in the airport <laughs> and my Gates is life. No. And actually, the kids were great travelers. So we made two stops. So nine, nine. I don't know if it's nine and a half or eight and a half. It was a long day. Um we made two stops in the total time that we were like stopped on the side of the road was less than 30 minutes. So they were real troopers. We got home at a great time and then everyone lost their minds and not in a bad way where they were arguing, but they were just so slap happy. It was, it was crazy. But it beats the last time that we drove through the state of Texas because I got the stomach flu and had a newborn baby and puked all down the side of Texas highways. It was it was the worst day of my life. And I was like, please just leave me here. Just leave me in this gas station and come back and pick me up another day. It was miserable. And we were in a bit of a time crunch because we were trying to get to a... Um, a wedding. A wedding rehearsal yeah. for one of my brother's weddings. So it was really painful to watch her go through that. But she she powered through it. Well, She's pretty awesome. Yeah, well, anyway. So then I went to Raleigh after my massage. <laughs> I went to Raleigh, North Carolina, and I was um, at a, a conference there for the National Pastoral Musicians Conference. And so I got to hang out with a bunch of other uh, church musicians all week, and it was really hot in Raleigh. I thought Texas, it was hot in Texas, and then we got that heat wave here, and it was in Missouri, and it was in Raleigh too, and it was like... It was terribly hot, but anyway, um, I ate at a I ate at a place called Cowfish. So if you're like from the Raleigh area, maybe you know what this is. But my cousin gave me the heads up through my aunt because he lives there near there, and he and his girlfriend love this place called Cowfish, and it's a it's a burger and sushi fusion restaurant. So you can get sushi or burgers or both, or you can get sushi. You can get burger sushi or sushi burger. I don't know. Anyway, it was fun and it was pretty like that. It was interesting on the inside and people were celebrating birthdays and they would like come to the table and they would ring a gong and a cowbell <laughs> before they sing happy birthday. Anyway, so that was fun and unique. And 
I made it home in one piece, and then we're best back to the regular old grind this week. And she got home to me, who made it through the week in one piece. Oh, true. Uh, shout out to my mother-in-law. She helped out with the kids a lot during the week while I was at work, and the kids were actually really good all week. It was, it was, it was nice. I feel like they're always better when mom's gone. It's because they have no one else to ask when dad says no if they can do something. Yeah, so they just... So they just have to like take no as their answer. I guess. Which I didn't only say no. Let's be fair. I was kind to them. And they were kind to me. So. Well, that's good. So um, this week on the podcast, we're going to be talking with Brother Joseph Paul. Uh, this is our first time having a guest on the podcast. How are you feeling about that? Um, hopefully technology works. Like that's the whole thing with this. Everything is new. So yeah, I feel like we're super rookies. And so uh, we might not know what to say or do, but that's fine. It's fine. It'll and all work out. Kelly was out of town. So, you know, naturally, I just watched YouTube video after YouTube video about how to do this until 11 o'clock at night, which made me very tired each day. We also tried to record an episode or we were going to record an episode remotely, right? One with me in North Carolina, but we couldn't get the technology to work. So, well, it wasn't so much the technology we had uh, right before we were going to do it. One of the kids decided to bust their toe open, delivering sunglasses back to the neighbor's house. So. Okay. I thought it was technology, but... I was tending to that. Oh, technology wasn't great either. Yeah, I had to buy more cables. So, anyway. Anyway, this is fascinating. All this to say that we are going to have our very first guest on the show today. And we um, got to know Brother Joseph Paul when he was just little old Joe at the Newman Center in Columbia. And he sang in our choir. And we're really excited to share um, this interview with you. So, here we go. Today on our show, we have Brother Joseph Paul Albin. He's, uh, we go way back. He sang in the choir with us um, at our church, I don't know, 10 years ago. Does that sound right, Brother? Yeah, uh, yeah, 10, 11, 12 years ago, quite a while ago. And uh, if I can... I moved to New Orleans in 09, so it's been a minute. Oh, yeah. So it has been a while. And uh, I remember him. He um, was always very happy. (laughs) (laughs) Intractable. Is that a word that we could use? (laughs) And he was kind of the polar opposite of myself. I was very quiet and shy, and he was very uh, boisterous and outgoing. So a few things that we need to clarify before we start the interview portion of this is that we knew Brother Joseph Paul when he was just Joe. And he had dreadlocks, right? That's very important to clarify. Yes. He had dreadlocks, <laughs> which he no longer has. And and when I knew you, you had dreads and you like referred to people by their facial hair. Do you remember that? You would you like would point people out and be like, that guy, beard. Anyway, these are the memories I have of you. <laughs> I'm I am delighted by what you've held on to. <laughs> yes, yes, it's true. Um, also, something to get straight is that he, while I find him to be very intelligent and humorous, he likes the cartoon strip Coffee with Jesus, and I do not. This is a point of uh, contention. It's a, it's, a, it's a thinking person's humor, so I is can it? understand not everyone getting it. 
Is it though? It's okay. We don't have to debate the merits of coffee with Jesus, but we'll just, you guys can make your own decisions on how you feel about that anyway. Okay. So brother Joseph, Paul, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Maybe, um, like just a little bit about where you grew up and, um, just like a short version of like the history of you and then what you're doing now. I am the third of four children, uh, all boys. Uh, my parents are originally from Nebraska, though I was raised in rural Missouri. Woo. So, so Kelly and Mike, uh, God bless them. Uh, both of you grew up in Columbia, correct? Yes. Yes, sir. So I grew up in a, a much smaller town, uh, Mexico. Uh, Mexico. Mexico. Missouri. Uh, 12,000 and Columbia to us was a Mecca. Uh, it was, that was the big city. So I grew up there. Um, it was a, there was a Catholic church and a Catholic grade school, but it was, uh, in many ways, not a particularly Catholic town. Uh, growing up, the, the only real Catholic, the, the, the church was very real, but we didn't have a youth group. We didn't have a lot of the things that I think a lot of Catholic youth, especially in larger cities, have. Uh, both of my older brothers really struggled with the Catholic faith, and both of them are now uh, Christian, but outside the church. And my struggle with the faith began fairly early. God is gracious and good and loving, and I, if you're listening to this podcast, you probably believe that. And he... He brought me back to the faith little by little, and when I met Mike and Kelly, I was towards the beginning of that journey. When I was 25, in the year 2013, I entered the Dominican Order. I have now professed solemn vows as a Dominican friar, and just a month and a half ago, I was ordained a deacon in the church, and I will be ordained a priest, God willing, and the creek don't rise. Uh, <laughs> next june yay so so since you're both a brother and a deacon do we have to call you deacon brother joseph paul so technically the the right title is reverend brother but, reverend but, brother but the answer is no oh. okay <laughs> well, that's to call me that but i do i do like signing it <laughs> Yeah, that's like my brother is a lawyer and he like he once got a letter addressed to him as Esquire and he was like, look at me, I'm an Esquire. Anyway, sounds exciting. So um, why don't you tell us a little bit about maybe, um, well, I guess I could ask you two questions. Maybe do you want to tell us about what sort of how, why you got into the Dominican order, why you joined the order or would you rather tell us? Um, about just kind of your story of how God has like moved in your life, moved in your heart, and how you have really seen him um, active in your life? Or do those things go together? And maybe that's the same story. <laughs> well, those are both pretty big questions. Yeah. Uh, I like I like both. The, the Dominican order to me was particularly attractive. So they, um, when we were at, the Newman Center, where uh, Mike Kelly and I all went. When I first started going there, it was ran uh, by diocesan priests, and and they were wonderful. They were very good men. 
But right after I started going, like I'd only been going for a few months and the Dominicans then came and, and I'd really only ever met diocesan priest or Jesuit priest. And I thought that that was pretty much the only two types of priests there were. And I grew up in rural Missouri in Mexico, Missouri. There's not a, you know, a incredible amount of diversity among priests and back there were two. <laughs> so this idea that there were all these types of priests was completely unknown to me. So for me, when I met the Dominicans, I was really impressed that they lived together, that they prayed together. I was impressed by how much they wanted to know. And for me, one of the biggest issues with the faith when I was entering what, what I'll call my reversion um, was was I felt that there wasn't, and I was wrong about this, but I felt that there was a sort of blind faith, that there was a, a, a non-intellectual conversion. And so meeting the Dominicans and meeting such bright men, I was like, okay, there's a certain level of, of intelligence and rationality and thoughtfulness that, that goes with faith. And I wasn't, I wasn't ready for it. You know, God kind of woke me up and was like, Christians aren't dumb for being Christian. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so that really, that really spoke to me. And in my own life, to make it incredibly short, I think one of the big challenges with vocation is I think way too often too many of us are terrified that we're not good enough to be nuns or brothers or sisters or priests. We don't, we don't think that we can do it. And the truth is we can't. It's God's grace. It is the, God will, God will give you the grace to persist in the life that he calls you to. And so could I easily do this life on my own? Absolutely not. Like I need the grace of God to do it. And so for me, I think the truth is, and I think it's the truth of all vocations, it is the grace of God that that calls us to married life, to religious life, to priestly life, and it's the grace of God that sustains us. Amen. So do you want to answer my second question now? What do you what, think? What? <laughs> <laughs> so, so really the second question is just, um, like, if you could maybe tell us a story of... Um, a time in your life where you really saw God's hand, where you, um, you know, kind of the basis of this podcast is just how, whether through big or small things, um, you know, how we can mark and remember the ways that God is working for us and um, that he's always coming in to sort of rescue and save us and bring us back to him. And so um, maybe if you just want to share with us something about something from your own life that um, is a story. Yeah, I'll tell a a weird small one. Awesome. Because I believe, I genuinely believe that most holy acts, most acts of God in this world are unnoticed. That most acts of God in this world are I I think so often when people when people are like, When did you hear the call? <laughs> when did I'm like, uh <laughs> like I didn't get a letter, you know. <laughs> You know, it's a very, 
it's 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 much more infinitesimally small but self-sacrifice and giving to others the, the quiet life you know the, the life of of a saint joseph the life of, of of even a mary where you're living this this small and real life i think has heavenly consequences i think has holy consequences when you when you direct it towards god it doesn't matter if it's little and so for me in my my whole life i I was unusually blessed in that I have two good and loving parents. And when I was at the Newman Center, I went on a retreat that we called the Awakening Retreat. And it was an excellent, excellent experience. And I was, when I went on that first retreat, I was kind of a mess. I wasn't sure what I believed. I wasn't sure what I was doing. I wasn't sure why I was there. And there's... There's a moment where you may or may not receive a letter from someone that loves you. And I got a letter from my mother that just expressed her love for me. And at the end of it, she went, I want to let you know I'm still praying that you might have a vocation. And at the time, I felt so distant from the church and so other and so on the outside and the idea that this woman who knew me so intimately and so well and knew so many of my mistakes still had this big hope for me and still saw that there could be this this goodness in me blew my mind and i think we all have those little moments those little memorial stones those tiny little moments of holiness in our life where someone in our life says I think you're a good mother. I think you're a good father. I think that you're I think that this marriage that you're in is really valuable. And I think it reminds us in a way that we often avoid ourselves of, of the greatness of God and the greatness of what we're called to. So you talk a little bit about you know, God didn't send you a letter, he didn't, you know, slap you on the head with a hammer and say, Hey, um, this is what I want you to do. You talked about how we miss all these little moments. Do you feel like you've been able to see those little moments more as you've um, gone through your formation? I, <laughs> I think as you begin to set your life in the context of, of contemplation and prayer, as you begin to set your life in front of God, a lot of those moments that were really challenging or really hard or really frustrating begin to gain clarity. And so so the short answer is yes. Like I look at my own life and I I see my own sin, I see my own faults, I see my own mistakes, and I have begun to see how God doesn't God doesn't will my sin. God doesn't will my sadness. God doesn't will my desperation. But how he uses even those moments for his glory, that he's like, I know you went through this wounded time, and now your wounded heart will be available to others in a beautiful way. And so absolutely, like I, I think as you begin to pray, as you begin to enter a life where you trust God, and you work on trusting God. It don't happen in a day. Um, but I think as you begin to work on that, I think you have these revelations where you go, oh, that struggle was meaningful. 
and here, here, here God was in that struggle. Yeah, I think you're echoing what I am finding to be true, that often it's only in hindsight, you know, that we can really recognize what God is doing and how really everything is, um, is going to have a, a divine purpose, you know, behind it and that he can make everything good. So, um, I have a, a question for you about, um, maybe what would you say to someone who struggles with doubt or somebody maybe especially who is, you know, really seeking that life of intellectualism, like you were talking about, and somebody who thinks that believing is foolish, what would you say to that person? I think first the faith, and especially initial faith, faith without doubt in the beginning is is nostalgia or addiction. That there's a there's a desire to to believe fully that's really hard for the human heart that's that's hard for the human heart conditioned in these times in this moment and so if you are doubting like god's big enough it don't matter <laughs> it's okay to ask god questions it's okay to stop and pray like lord help me with my unbelief i mean that's that's a prayer of the old testament that's or the old testament the new testament like that's a Oh Lord, I, I quoted the wrong testament. But um but there's there's that reality where I think it's 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 good to question. Because I think curiosity breeds and this leads into your next question, curiosity breeds a more intellectual faith. And and I believe that much too often there's this sense in in current American culture where to be a Christian, uh, to be a Catholic, to be a to be a person of faith, somehow seems anti-intellectual to the world, mm-hmm. and it's not. You know, the church has had two thousand years to think through all the questions that you thought you just came up with. <laughs> so, don't be afraid to really engage the tradition. Don't be afraid to ask, like, why would Jesus be born? where he was born how does the trinity work how does uh, why would you ever believe in transubstantiation i don't think those questions mean that you're you're failing i think instead it's a deepening of faith to ask those questions and search the answers and there is always a point in in every relationship of love that touches mystery and you have to have faith in those moments. And so I think on the, the small scale, when you have a friendship, there's a mystery of why you two like each other. There's a mystery of why you two would, would want to just be friends. And I think on the cosmic scale, you have to be okay with that same mystery. You have to be okay with there's a point where I have to depart from total rational you know, epistemically consistent thought and recognize that there's something really magnificent and otherworldly about the fact that I exist and that I was made to love God. And I, and that's a big jump. So when it doesn't happen, if you're doubting, that's okay. Pray that it will. That's not a bad prayer. God is never mad that you're like, could you help me love and believe anymore? Like God's like, Yes. (laughs) 
give me a minute. (laughs) (laughs) And so I think too often we're afraid to say like, God, I struggle with believing this. Like, say it. Offer it in prayer. He's, (laughs) you're not going to shock him with your new and exciting prayer. Yeah. Okay. Um, Next question. What is your favorite part of religious life thus far? I think based on what I see of you on Instagram, that it is baking cookies, but I could be wrong. <laughs> Follow me at brjosephpalda. <laughs> Shameless plugs are allowed. <laughs> yeah, I, no, I mean, it's a pretty great Instagram account. Um. <laughs> and also follow up question. Could you explain a cookie novena, please? And the roots of the spiritual origins. <laughs> I'm going to start with the cookie novena because it's not, it's not, <laughs> to pretend it has spiritual origins might be faulty. Um, so the nine days, I, so I lived in New Orleans for five years and I loved it. And I love a good novena. I love a good prayer. But I started giving up baking for Lind. And then the brothers were like, we're not going to have cookies for 40 days, which is like, like not a big sacrifice you know like we okay but but then it turned into like can we have something to say goodbye to cookies so then we started a nine-day cookie novena Um, so i baked cookies for the nine days leading up to mardi gras and then we have a mardi gras party um so to pretend i don't know if it has spiritual origins but (laughs) but like but i'll tell you if you bake cookies for people you can get away with a lot so yeah. I'm just saying, for, for people that have a, a penchant for cooking, uh, cook tasty food, <laughs> offer to people, help with the dishes, and you can go a long way. Right? Close um, to success right there. It'll get you through a lot. What is my favorite part of religious life? Um, that's, a, that's a big question. I... I want to say that when I was when I was in the novitiate, so that's the the first year of discernment for religious life. So when I was in discernment, I first questioned my emotions constantly, and emotions are real. Like I don't want to downplay emotions, but I had this this revelation um, that that I think came from God. I want to believe it came from God, and I think it did. And I I realized that basing a major choice of my day-to-day feelings were silly. And so I began to ask myself during discernment, not how I felt that day, but instead, am I loving God more? Am I loving my neighbor more? And by neighbor more, at that point, I meant the brothers I live with. And am I becoming healthier? And when I said healthy, I meant physically, spiritually, emotionally. And so I... Yeah, I think the best part of religious life for me has been the confirmation of that reality that in entering religious life, I began to love God more. I began to love neighbor more. And my, my, my spiritual, physical, and emotional health became much better. That, that a life of, of service and love and, and committedness actually breeds a, a good and healthy life overall. 
And so I think my favorite part of religious life is that I've come to love God and my neighbor more and that it's it's helped me become a healthier person in, in every aspect of that word. Awesome. Even with a cookie novena, just to clarify. Yeah, well, <laughs> here's the thing. <laughs> it's well, only nine days. Well, and, and, you know, God made the world and said it was good. So I think to deny the, the validity of matter is enough for heresy. And so if God hates cookies. He does not. I don't think he would have given me the ability to make such good ones. <laughs> yeah. Can I, can I ask, what's uh, the most popular cookie you make for the brothers? Uh, the, I would say the most popular is probably the chocolate crinkle. It's a very fudgy cookie, and then it's rolled in granulated sugar and then powdered sugar, and it yes. crackles on the top into a bunch of beautiful lines. And when you bite it, the emotional sweetness takes you over, but then the bittersweet melted fudge sort of fights against it in a way that is, well, it's indescribable. <laughs> that, wow. That sounds amazing. When are you making yeah, these no, again, and can I come visit? <laughs> Yeah, no, come on a Thursday morning. Well, we have a question that we like to ask each other every podcast. We're going to go ahead and ask that to you this week as well. Um, and that is, what is God doing in your heart lately? Woo. Well, when this is a, a convoluted answer, but that's who I am, so accept it. <laughs> When, <laughs> so as part of formation, they send you out for a year. And I was sent to Atlanta. So I lived in a community in Atlanta, and I got to work at a church called Our Lady of Lords. And Our Lady of Lords is a historically black Catholic church. It was founded uh, by St. Catherine Drexel. So uh, going to churches founded by saints. That's awesome. Pretty awesome. Yeah. yeah. If you have the chance, I'd say do it. <laughs> Highly recommend. <laughs> Highly recommend. 10 out of 10. Yeah. We'll do <laughs> but I, I am confronted by the, the history and the, the hardness and the incredible challenge and sadness of racism in this country. And... So a few months ago, when I was asked what I wanted to do during this summer, I was ordained a deacon in June. Thank you, Jesus. Uh, I was asked what I wanted to do this summer. And in New Orleans, there's the Institute for Black Catholic Studies at Xavier University. And after working in a, a church that was a historically black Catholic church, I think too many of our brothers and sisters don't know that that's a thing that happens in the church. There are a lot of black Catholics. I felt called to go there. And just in interacting with my brothers and sisters in the church, I was reawakened to, you know, there's so many darknesses in this country. There's so many things where the Catholic light needs to shine. And I think, yes, we need to, we need to be pro-life. Yes, we, we need to be pro-family. Like there's a lot of things where like we need to touch our light. But for me, this this ministry in working against the evils of racism and otherizing, which I think is the same thing that happens 
to to our our brothers and sisters in the womb where we otherize so much we take away humanity i think god has really been calling me to to recognize how that that evil of racism is still very alive today and how can i as a incredibly privileged white priest you know not a priest yet but so soon um where can I serve in that? And how can I, how can I educate and advocate and signal boost to make sure that every child of God, poor, rich, old, young, black, white, in the womb, uh, at end of life care, how can I say like, look at what God did, look at how beautiful this life is and why don't we all care more? And so I think God has just been really calling me to, to recognize that and uh, to advocate. Wow. That's awesome. <laughs> it is. <laughs> it's so was great. Too heavy? If it was too heavy, no. I stand by it and I mean it. <laughs> Not at all. Not at all. And, you know, I, I'm thinking about this because we have a sister at our parish who is wanting to do uh, something with adult faith this um, coming semester on the sin of racism and... We had our, our campus ministry last spring took a spring break pilgrimage um, to like all these civil rights sites. They started at the the grave of, of Father Augustus Tolton, who was the first known black priest in the U.S., who is in, you know, is from Missouri. And um, and they went to they traveled all the way down to Atlanta and Alabama and um, they went to a bunch of um you know, just various civil rights sites and thinking about the the church's involvement and um, just kind of the history there. And so I think that that's a wonderful thing to be thinking about. And um, if we claim to be, you know, followers of Jesus, then we we should sure care about the people that he loves, um, which is all of them. So, um, yeah. So I just want to thank you for being our very first podcast guest. Woo! You were kind of our I, guinea pig, but I think it went well. Yeah. I hope it gets better. <laughs> Did you say you hope it gets better? I mean, absolutely. It can, it can only go up from here, right? No. Right. <laughs> um. Just yeah, we're really glad to have you on, and you're just a great, a great man, and it's exciting to see where God is bringing you these days. And so know that um, we will be praying for you in this last sort of year of your formation as you as you prepare to be ordained a priest. And, um, you know, if you ever want to come on again, just let us know. So thank you again for, um, for being on the show. Thank you. You are very, very welcome. All right. That was great to have brother Joseph Paul on. Uh, we got to get around to asking each other our question for the week. Kelly, how's God been working in your life this week? Well, um, I feel like God wants me to be more Ignatian. Uh, mm, tell us about that. <laughs> well, I've been really interested in just like Ignatian spirituality for quite a while. And I've been sort of like flirting with um, contemplative prayer and just kind of how that looks in the Ignatian tradition. And um, so then I'm a part of a women's group and we meet um, semi-regularly depending on our schedules. But we just finished up a Bible study, and um, we were on the book of Ephesians, anyway, and we were thinking about what to do next. And um, one of the girls in the study suggested this book called 
I think it's called the Ignatian Experience, something like that. I think it's, it's sounds like the name of an escape room. No. Um, and anyway, it's a, it's a basically like, it's a book that was written recently that sort of leads you through the spiritual exercises of St. Ignatius um, in kind of a modern way, I guess. And so, um, yeah, I'm just starting that. It's, I think I talked about this in an earlier podcast, but I really like that whole Lexio Divina thing. And so I like that this is how this is centered. It's a scripture every day to meditate on and pray with. And um, so, yeah, I'm just trying to be more Ignatian. And I guess also I think, you know, I was away. We were in Texas and then I was away for this conference. And while I didn't feel like I learned a lot at the conference I do now coming like being back home I just I feel a little more restored or a little more um just kind of a reset you know I think it was just that getting away factor and so I think that maybe that's God um I'm getting ready to start up the school year again um there's a lot going on at work there is um you know of course the beginning of school with the children and Um, Our students will come back to campus soon and there's just a lot that's getting ready, you know, and I have had a lot of anxiety about like just the, the, the ramping up of everything again. And, um, I just started this week feeling like really motivated and kind of a new sense of purpose. And so I think that that is what God has been doing for me. What about you? Well, mine, um, it's probably a little interesting and just going back to what brother Joseph Paul said is that like. God works in our lives in a lot of small ways that we don't always notice or that we, you know, can't really notice unless we're really in tune to them. And so, um, I guess mine kind of started with the struggle and I, um, had all these thoughts that were just not really loving thoughts or nice thoughts or kind thoughts. And I was feeling like really awful that I was having these thoughts, but I just couldn't stop thinking them. And uh, we had some stuff. Our daughter started hours of marching band camp this week, and I was going to a band meeting, so I decided to go to church. Um, I had to go to church uh, by myself because the rest of the family was going during a band meeting. And um, I showed up a few minutes early and sat and just really fell into this deep prayer um, and was really praying just about you know, these thoughts I was having and, you know, how sorry I was that I was having them and just, you know, that they would, you know, God would help me turn these thoughts into loving thoughts and everything. And I had an experience, we're going to get into it hopefully in a podcast soon, um, earlier this year where God just kind of really hit me hard, uh, with the way that he speaks to me. And, um, and I just really, I felt that same presence that I felt when I had this, you know, knock your socks off experience for lack of a better term. And, um, I just felt like God was like holding me and comforting me and it really gave me hope and, and helped turn my thinking around and, and helped really turn around my week. Um, so I was really thankful for that. I chatted with Kelly about even, you know, trying to, we do music at our church and, um, there's a lot that goes into that with preparation and trying to make sure everything's set before mass starts. And uh, I just said that I'd like to go to church maybe once a week at an additional time. Once a week? 
well, no, not once a week, sorry, at least once a month. Um, and it doesn't have to be by myself, I think I said by myself, but to where I don't have to worry about setting things up or anything like that so I can, you know, fall into this deeper prayer. So anyway, that was great. It was great. Yeah. I get the luxury of working in a building where there is daily mass every day when I am there. So I get to go to mass by myself quite a lot. And Mike, poor Mike, doesn't have that, doesn't have the same luxury. But I'm glad that you got to go on Sunday and I'm glad that it was fruitful. It was very fruitful. Yeah. Um, so a couple of housekeeping things. Um, we actually have a website. Some Woo. of you might know that. Uh, so you can go check it out. It doesn't have a whole lot there. It has... It has a blog post. It <laughs> we are posting our actual um, podcast episodes there, so you can check them out. We'll probably add to it with time, but you know this is new, um, so you can check that out. That is the Stone Collective Podcast dot com. The Stone Collective. The yes. <laughs> yeah, that's did, fine. I, did I say the? Well, the it's not T H E E. It's fine. Continue. The Stone Sounds Collective. Sounds more official that way. Okay. okay. The Stone Collective Podcast dot com. Uh, so you can visit it th us there. We would love to hear from people and we have an email address and you can submit um, you know, feedback or stories or whatever you want to share with us through our website. Uh, but our email address is info at thestonecollectivepodcast.com or you can, again, visit our page, contact us, and you can drop us a line there. Yeah, and we're now available on iTunes and Google Play. Yeah, and if for some reason you can't find us on whatever podcast app you use, you can drop us a line through our website, and we'll try and figure it out, because that's what we do. Yeah, we're still new at this, so we're trying to figure out all the ways to be available to all the people who might want to listen. Uh, but we should probably we should probably let them go, right? Yes. Anything else that we need to tell them this week? I don't think so. Thanks no. for listening. Thanks for listening, and what's God been doing in your life? <laughs>